0: Hi, good morning. Uh, Today's reading is from 1 John, chapter 1, verses 5 to 10. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, If we say, we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Amen.
1: Good morning, church. It's nice to see all of you here today, and it's uh, too short a time, I think, from the last time I was up here. So I was thinking when I was at the back just now, it's actually really nice listening to music from that side as opposed to this side and having a new perspective like that is always helpful. Um, I spent this past week looking at my Facebook feed and I noticed a lot of friends who live in other parts of the world have started traveling again. Have any of you guys noticed that? With countries opening up, um, people are beginning to travel more and um, I noticed a good friend of mine who lives in Singapore this past week suddenly posted pictures and she and her husband were in Barcelona. And I can't help but feel a little envious of that. Uh, Because here in Hong Kong, we're still kinda stuck here. And we hope and we pray for a time when we'll be able to travel again, don't we? Because the truth is, if if, if you don't know me well enough yet, um, my wife and I love traveling. And maybe because I worked for an airline I've worked for an airline for so many years, it's been easy for us to travel. But Steph and I, in uh, the years that we've been married, have traveled to many places together. And it's been two years since we last went somewhere, Um, staycations in Hong Kong notwithstanding. Um, And I want to talk about one particular trip that we did, not long after we got married. Uh, A few months after we got married, we decided to plan this big trip. And when I say we, I really mean Steph plans these trips. I just like to tag along. And... um, this particular spring, Steph decided we were going to travel to Peru, the country of Peru. Um, does anybody, does everybody know where Peru is? Um, yeah, so Peru is a country in South America. And when we think of Peru, what do you think is the first thing we think of? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Incas. Machu Picchu. Right, so, so that, that was our go-to place. We wanted to go to Peru because we wanted to see Machu Picchu. Uh, But we had 10 days to do this, so we were able to see more places. So the way Steph planned it is that we would go to Peru, and the culmination of our trip would be our visit to Machu Picchu. So we had, and that that was a three-day trip, so we had about seven days to visit other places. So here we are in the spring of, I can't remember what year that is now, the spring of 2011, when I was just a little bit younger. And we traveled all the way to the capital of Peru, which is Lima, and we touched down, and we spent two days in Lima getting to know um, the city, uh, practicing our Spanish, and making new friends. And at about on, on day three, we decided we were gonna visit a part of Peru out in the countryside called the Cordillera Blanca, which means the, the White Mountain Range. It was this beautiful mount, white mountain range. And we'd, we'd read about it, we'd seen pictures about it, and we really wanted to go see it. So we decided to get on this overnight bus. And what an overnight bus is, is you, you don't have to worry about sleeping in a motel. You just get on a bus and you sleep on the bus, which is great. And when you wake up, you're, in your, you're at your destination, your destination. So we were traveling to a little town up in the mountains called Huaraz, which is on the foothills of the Cordillera Blanca, this white mountain range. So we're on this bus all night. We managed to get very little sleep and we arrive at the town of Waraz up in the mountains at three in the morning and it was pitch dark. This was a little tiny town which probably had 2,000 locals and just a few tourists. And when we get there, we know we're at this mountain range but we couldn't see it because it was pitch dark. All we could see were the little lights in the town. And we made our way to the local inn and we were really tired because we didn't get much sleep and we decided we, to turn in for the night. So we went to bed. Um, Juarez. Now the next morning we woke up and this was a sight that greeted us. And, and it's stunning. It's absolutely stunning. And, and, it, and it, it took my breath away because I couldn't believe we were there sleeping under that all night and we didn't see it. And that's the interesting thing about light, right? Because... With the light of the sun, when the light of the sun was shining the next day, it illuminated this beautiful scenery before us. Today we're going to be looking at this passage in 1 John, and the title of the the passage, if you you look in in your Bibles above the passage, is Walking in the Light. And I think we're quite familiar with that term, walking in the light. If we've grown up in church or we've spent any amount of time in church, we may be quite familiar with that. The title of the sermon today is Letting the Light In. So specifically, we'll be looking at light, and 3 we'll be looking at it in three parts. The first part we'll be looking at is the nature of light, and then we'll be asking ourselves the question, are, are we, once we understand the nature of light, are we walking in the light? And finally, we'll look at how we can let the light in, into our lives. But before that, let's pray. Oh Lord, thank you for... This season of Advent, Lord, when we can remember with hope, Lord, the coming of Jesus. And God, as we look into your word today and as we understand what light is, God, I pray that um, God, this word, as we, as we delve into it, Lord, that you would speak to us, Lord, that it would be relevant. God, I pray that you would speak through my mouth right now, Lord, that it would be your words and not my In Jesus' name, amen. So let's talk about the nature of light. In our world today, we talk about light and darkness. It's a, it's a common theme. We see it in movies. Anybody a Star Wars fan? You're liars if no one's here a Star Wars fan, <laughs> you know? Uh, and, and Star Wars is, is, is a story about, well, a whole bunch of stories about light and darkness. The force, which is the good side, and then the dark side, which is darkness. Uh, we see it in video games. Uh, Anybody plays video games here, there's a video game called Dark and Light. That's just one video game where there's a battle between light and darkness. Folklore over the course of history illustrates this tension, this battle between light and darkness. And why is that? The reason is because darkness touches the very center of our fears. Darkness represents uncertainty, the unknown. And we fear that, don't we? When I was a little kid, in my house, there, there was an attic or the equivalent of a, yeah, an attic or a storeroom, and um, in my family, we kept all this stuff in there. We kept our tools in there. We kept extra bags of rice in there, and there was no light in this storeroom, and as a little kid, I remember my dad, who kept all his tools, tools there, one day, he said, hey, Les, can you go help grab me a spanner size 18 from inside the attic, and I go... Being a good son, I said, okay, I'll go in. I must have been about eight years old. And I go in there, and this is what happens when I go in there. I leave the door open so I can kind of see what's going on in there. I grab what I need, and I run out. And while I'm running out, I go like, oh, because I'm scared of the dark. We're scared of the dark. So what about light then? How is it different from darkness? It seems the polar opposite, right? How How do we define light? For the students who are here, if I were to ask you guys, how would you define light in class, in school? How would you define it? I know you guys are thinking back there right now. Um, This is how I would define it, because I love science. Light is this, a visible portion of a spectrum of electromagnetic radiation. And that's the only amount of science I'm going to be talking about today. I just want to see if you guys are paying attention. Uh, But light is opposite to darkness, right? Uh, It's opposed to light. Light illuminates. It shines. Darkness does not. Even a little light can eliminate darkness. When I'm in that attic and the door is closed, it's pitch black. It's pitch dark. But if I had a little tiny LED from my phone or a little candle, that's enough to illuminate the darkness. Light also brings life. Here on planet Earth, with the light of the sun, plants are able to, so I lied about talking about science, plants are able to, through photosynthesis, generate food and grow, and that provides food for other living, for other living things on Earth. Light brings life. Light also empowers. How does it empower us? Well, as humans, we're, we're visual creatures, aren't we? we? We've got to be able to see. And if light illuminates, then we're able to observe our surroundings and it empowers us because then we're able to make a decision. Are we, what do we have to avoid? What threats do we have to avoid? Where do we walk? Where do we move? How do we move forward? Light lights our path. Light reveals things. I didn't know the toolbox is in that part of the storeroom or that part of the attic until we have light. It reveals that the box is there. All these attributes of light, this, this nature of light, is why it's so heavily used in folklore and games and movies. That's what we think of when we think of light. What does the Bible say about light? I'm not going to put the verses up here, but I'll just list a few things here. Um, how light is described in the Old Testament can be pretty poetic. King David in Psalm 27 says, this, and this is familiar for so many, but the Lord, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? We don't have to fear. The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Later in Psalm 119 King David writes, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. So the word of God is light. So if God is light and his word is light, then what does this bring? What does that, what does that bring? We're going to try a little exercise today. Instead of putting the verses up there, feel free to take out your phones uh, and put in these verses. Because I know it's, we no longer carry these paper Bibles around. Uh, I wish we did. Uh, But feel free to take out your phones and and turn to this. John 1, verse 4. Little hint, we had it up there this morning as we were singing. John chapter 1, verse 4. In him was life, meaning in Jesus. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. It's the same thing, right? Light brings life, it reveals things. So it brings truth. Light doesn't lie. It shows its truth. Now, let's go back to the passage that our sister Susan read again. 1 John 1, 5 to 10. And the way I write that in is 1 John, 1 John 1, 5 to 10, ESV. So we're on the same page. And let's look at verse five. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light. There it is again. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is light, not darkness. Now again, If you've grown up in church, if you've been a Christian for a while, if you've spent a good amount of time in church, this all sounds familiar. I mean, we know about Star Wars. We know about light and darkness. We can describe it scientifically. We can look at this passage today and we get it, walking in the light. We get it, the battle between light and darkness. Well, if we get it and we understand what it means and we understand what it means to walk in the light, then the question we ought to be asking ourselves is, Are we walking in the light? That's our second point today. Are we walking in the light? A lot of us here can remember a time when we first became Christians, when we first decided to surrender our lives to Jesus. Do many of you remember that? Um, For some of us, it was a very subtle understanding, a very subtle realization. But for someone like me at a youth gathering, it was was a huge deal. It was a big deal. When I accepted Christ, I thought to myself, my life is never going to be the same and I was excited. It was a fire and brimstone event. My hands were in the air and I, I, I proclaimed my surrender to Jesus, that I surrendered my life to him. Some of you may have had experiences like that. And I remember I couldn't wait after I accepted Christ to go out into the world and show them what it meant to be a Christian, what it meant to walk in the light. And when I think of walking in the light, and if you're like me, you may, you may, you may think the same thing. I think walking in the light means being an upright, moral Christian, a good Christian man. And I would expect that I would sin less, wouldn't I? I mean, that's the expectation we have of ourselves when we walk in the light, that we would sin less. We expect someone who accepts Christ to display less sin. We expect ourselves to be like that. But is this walking in the light? Let's take a look at the passage again today. Let's turn to verse six. If we have fellowship with him, While we walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not practice the truth. And this is why it's important for us to understand if we are walking in the light. Because it says, if we have fellowship with God, but we do not walk in the light, we are liars. We lie, and we do not practice the truth. Because God is light. If we walk with him, we should be in the light. Verse 7, if we walk in the light, but if we walk in the light. If we walk in the light, and he is the light, as we've seen. Then we have fellowship with one another. And that's an interesting twist. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And what John is saying here in the passage is this, church, is that walking the light is not just having fellowship with God. It's not just about being close to God and having an exchange with God. It's also about us having an exchange with each other, having fellowship with each other. We'll continue looking at verse 7. He says, And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, wait a second. We have fellowship with God, Walking in the light means having fellowship with God, having fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from our sin? What does that actually mean? There's an element of our sin that becomes made known, that is made known, that is illuminated when we have fellowship with God and when we have fellowship with each other. Because when we have true fellowship with each other, the light reveals our sin the sin that we so often hide in darkness. The question again, are we walking in the light? Well, let's think practically now. Let's take a moment, this is an exercise, to think about our lives the past week or the past month. And this will help us answer the question. Because if what John is saying here is true, and it is, this is what's happening. If we're just praying to God before our mealtimes and saying thanks for the food, and just reading the Bible occasionally, but we don't make any attempt to reflect on it and repent and confess we're not having fellowship with God. If we're saying hi to one another here at church or right after church and then we go back home or we go out and we continue to engage in an extramarital affair, in our addictions, in our anger, in our speech, in our language, we're not having fellowship with one another, are we? What if we are hanging out with each other? What if me and my small group Here at the church, we we hang out on a Tuesday night and we have a lot of fun together and we laugh. That's that's great, but what if while I'm hanging out with my small group, I'm not sharing with them my struggles? I'm not being transparent with the sin that I struggle with. According to John, when we do that, we're not having true fellowship with one another. Now, I'm not saying that if you have sin in your life that you're hiding, that you need to come up here and say, guess what, everybody, I've got this issue. Because that's pretty uncomfortable, right? And I'm not saying that we need to do that with our small group, our whole small group. But the question is not whether we're confessing with everyone. The question is, are we confessing with someone? Because that's what the passage says, right? If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and then Jesus cleanses us from our sin. We can't be cleansed from our sin if we don't repent of our sin. If I have a problem with drinking, if I have sexually impure thoughts, if we struggle with pornography and we hide this from one another and we don't address it, we're sweeping it under the carpet. If we watch our language here on Sunday and speak nice things and then we go out and we start cursing in the name of the Lord and saying things and using his name in vain, but then we come back here on a Sunday morning and we, we just sweep that under the carpet and put it in that attic where Fooling ourselves. John says we're lying. He also says this, he says we're not practicing the truth. Because we say we're having fellowship with God, but we're not. We say we're having fellowship with each other, but we're just hanging out. We're not practicing the truth. He says we're hypocrites. This is very strong language. Um, and I found it sobering this week going through all this because again, we think we know what walking in the light is. It's familiar. We feel good about it, we sing songs about walking, walking in the light. But when we take the time to reflect, it's, it's very humbling. For me, it's very humbling. It's been, it's been a difficult week in that sense, coming to terms with this. So I'm going to go off on a tangent and talk about a story. This week, I went over to, um, to visit friends at CenturyLink. I live in Coastal Skyline. And as I was coming back, it was, it was night, and it was dark, and there's some street lamps. And then I'm walking, and then I see some, somebody in the distance, and he says, Les! And I look at him and I go like, whoa, Andy. Andy's a friend of mine who I hadn't seen in seven years. Now, I don't know about you, but a lot has happened to me physically in seven years. Okay, if you're a male here, around about my age or older or maybe younger, you may have experienced this in your life. And I'm gonna call it this, it's called MPB. Does anybody know what MPB is? Well, I'll let you know, it's male pattern baldness. So when Andy says, hey, Les, I go, whoa, it's Andy. I haven't seen him in seven years. I wonder if I've changed a lot in seven years, right? Now, I'm experiencing male pattern baldness. And I know some of you young people, if you look at me and you're laughing, you might might think, oh, I'm not going through male pattern baldness. You will. You will go through male pattern baldness later in life. And it's humbling. Now, here's the thing. I'm walking home and Andy sees me and he says, hey, Les, and I'm under a street lamp. What do you think that means? (laughs) The light well, as, as my wife says, she says, honey, you have a little star on your head, and it's, it's getting bigger as you, as you grow. And I say, yeah, as, as, as I get more wise, it'll grow. Um, some of us are not too proud of it. I'm probably at a time in my life when I haven't come to grips with it yet. Okay, so what do I do? I'm under the lamp, I dodge the light. And I go, hi, Andy. And he says, whoa, you haven't changed one bit. Yes, I have not changed one bit. I've dodged the light. And that, that's, that's funny, right, because Here's the thing about light is that we say that light is truth, right? And the thing about truth is truth sometimes can hurt. There are things in our lives that we would much rather hide in the darkness than have that revealed. It may be something simple like male pattern baldness that I'm embarrassed about. But it might be an affair. It might be an addiction. It might be our anger. And we don't want people to know about that, do we, because it's uncomfortable. And it's funny because we, we say we fear the dark, we fear the darkness, and yet we still do this, right? We still hide stuff. Because if, you could, if I gave you the option right now of saying you can keep all your sin and your darkness hidden, nobody ever has to know, then, then you don't have to worry about the consequences. I would pick that. I wouldn't want people, if I can manage it and nobody has to know about it and nobody ever has to know about it, I don't have to say anything about it. That is what I would pick. There's something inherent about that. There's something inherent about that. And that begs the next question, why? Why do we default to the darkness? We know what light represents. We know that we fear the dark. We can use all these analogies to talk about, but why why do we go back to the darkness so often? Why do I do that? Remember at the beginning of the sermon, we looked at how there's this battle of light and darkness, good and evil. And it's, it's, we're so used to it because we see movies and, 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 and play video games about it and read books about it that we don't really think about it much anymore. It's, we're, it, it's an afterthought. We forget that darkness is a force opposed to light and that there's this battle, we call it a battle, which means they're opposing each other. You can't have light and darkness When there's darkness and there's light, the darkness is gone and vice versa. There's this battle. And based on what John is saying here, it's a battle where neutrality is not an option. We don't get to say, I'm not going to do anything about it. Why? Because before we discovered Jesus, we lived in darkness. If we don't do anything about it, we default back to darkness. We don't stay in the middle. There is no neutrality. We think of ourselves I was sharing earlier, what what does it mean to be a good Christian, right? When I first became a Christian, well, an upright Christian, a morally correct Christian, one who has good language, one who um, doesn't look at other women that way, one who's able to control his sin. That's what I think means to be a good Christian, living as a good witness and not having any visible sin. We typically hide our sin in darkness, don't we? Because we fear the consequences. We just talked about that. We don't want others to find out. Because truth be told, hiding our lies, hiding our affairs, hiding our vengeful thoughts, hiding our foul language, hiding our addictions, we do that so that outwardly we appear like we know what we're doing. We got it together. If you can turn with me now to the book of John again, John three nineteen. John says this, he says, "'And this is the judgment. "'The light has come into the world, The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. You would think that with the light here, we would embrace it. We couldn't wait to embrace it, but no, we don't. We shut it out. This describes us, right? This describes me. It's our go-to default mode. And so the battle that we just talked about earlier, the battle between light and darkness, it's not something out there. It's not something we read about. It's not something we watch in Star Wars. It's something that we play in a video game. The the battle between light and darkness runs through the very center of our hearts. It's a battle right here in our hearts. Light has entered the world. We we read about it. We know this, but we keep it out. We choose not to, and that's the key word. We choose not to let the light in. We close the shutters of our dark hearts, or we close the shutters of a certain part of our dark hearts that hides our sin, our sin. We think if we can keep our sin tucked away in darkness, we can somehow appear upright. You can't walk in the light. We, we, we can't walk in the light, church, if we don't let the light in. Which brings us to our third point today. How? How do, how, do we, how do we let the light in? When God sent his son Jesus to earth to suffer and die on the cross for our sins, Jesus was the light. He shone as a light. Jesus himself says this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus also said, and John quotes this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So when we became Christians, when we decided to follow Jesus, that was the first step, right? That was the first choice we made to embrace the light, to open the shutters and allow the light in. That was the first step of faith. Pastor Eric talked about faith last week and how it's a process where we observe the evidence and then we act on it. It's rooted in evidence, but it's also tested. Our faith is also tested daily. Before we knew Christ, we were in darkness. But once we accept him, we allow the light in. We need to remember that following Jesus is not just that, one decision that we made it's an ongoing experience and i was trying really hard to think of an analogy about this this past week what does it mean to walk in the light and i was talking to someone in church and 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 he used a really great analogy he said it's like exercising and and it really is because think about it i haven't gone running all summer and i bet a lot of you haven't either (laughs) And if you're like me and you haven't been running or you haven't gone, done any exercise, you haven't gone to the gym, that first step you take is really hard, right? Because you got to get up off your couch and go and work and go and exercise. That's like walking in the light. That is fellowship with each other. That is fellowship with God. It requires discipline and it is a conscious choice. We have to be intentional about doing that. And it's not just about making that first step. It also requires a level of perseverance. So it's discipline and perseverance. Church, we need to intentionally steer away from our default, which is to go back to darkness. We need to intentionally steer towards the light. In today's world, quite often, we, we don't really talk about sin anymore. We don't like talking about sin. See, the thing is we, we like to hide our sin. And when we appear upright to each other, that's great. We actually praise God for that. Oh, he's doing so well. He he, he looks like he's doing well. Um, But there's an element of fear in that because when we hide our sin in a dark corner, we end up being trapped, don't we? Because we do whatever we can to keep it there and make sure nobody finds out. We're trapped. But Jesus offers us something different. Jesus offers us freedom. Freedom from that, because he tells us that on that ultimate level, that there is no consequence for confession, except for freedom. Freedom comes through confession. We sang today at the beginning of service: come, come as you are. Jesus meets us where we are. He says, Come as you are. You don't have to hide things in a dark corner and come before him upright and say, Look, Lord, look what I've done. I'm right before you. No, that's not how it works. Jesus wants us to come to him where we are and to confess that to him and to confess that to each other. So what does that look like in our church if we are to practice it? Well, that's precisely that we are to practice it. We have to practice meeting up. We have to practice being transparent, being open. We have to we have to practice supporting each other and praying for each other. We have to practice confessing our sin to God and confessing our sin to each other, and that requires discipline, and it requires perseverance. What else does that look like? It also means we need to be real and honest with ourselves and honest with each other. If we continue with today's passage, and we look at verse 8, it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves if we say we have no sin, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Church, confession allows the light to come in, that's how we do it. We need to be disciplined about it. And if that discipline feels like it's difficult or something that's hard to do, well, we need to remember that the work is done through Christ. Because Christ, the light of the world, when he entered the world is now our advocate. We don't have to live up to crazy expectations before we come before God. We don't have anything to prove to each other or to God. Jesus is our advocate. He's already died on the cross for our sins. He's already taken away the darkness from us if we choose to confess. And we don't do that the moment we became Christians. We do that daily, don't we? And that is the good news. That is the good news. The good news is not that I can sit in the light and bask in it and God will take it all away. No, the good news is that we're no longer doomed to be in darkness forever. We're no longer cursed because of our sin till death no because god has given us the ability to walk in the light when we choose to we've got to practice it so how do we let the light in by acknowledging that he's our god by confessing our sin to him by confessing to each other that's true fellowship that's true fellowship with god that's true fellowship with one another and that is beautiful we go back to the picture that I put up there. That's that's the first thing I thought was like, "Wow, this is this is beautiful." So, what what is beautiful? Well, that's the fellowship, right? When we can walk in the light with God, when we can have fellowship with one another, and we're open, and we're confessing our sins, and we're acknowledging that He's God. That's what's beautiful. I was listening to a sermon from the preacher Tim Keller this past week, and he talks about the hidden Christmas. And he describes the nature of God's light in this manner. He says, God's light brings life, which we talked about. God's life brings truth, which we talked about. But God's God's light also brings beauty. There's beauty in having fellowship with God. There's beauty in having fellowship with one another. But ultimately, the real beauty is not in what the light brings and exposes. Ultimately, the beauty is in light itself. The beauty is in God himself. Let's pray. Lord, you are the light of the world. And God, in you there is no darkness. God, as we reflect on that this morning, Lord, we're thankful, God, because in our doomed darkness, Lord, you shone a light through your Son, Christ, God. Because of your love for us, Lord, you shine this light in our lives. And because of that, Lord, we are redeemed. We're able to see. We're able to perceive. Lord, you've given us the ability, Lord, to come to you, Lord, Lord, we know that as we draw closer to you, as we have these exchanges with you, as we have fellowship with you and we have fellowship with one another, Lord, we learn to walk in the light, which is your character, God. God, our character is not your character until we decide to let you change us. So Lord, I pray, Lord, as we reflect on this passage this week, Lord, that we would seek that, Lord, that we would seek to draw closer to you and that we would decide to let you change us, that we would open the shutters, Lord, of our hearts and let your light shine through. Thank you, God, because you are a loving God. God, you are amazing. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen.